I'm glad that you're here. Uh, again, if you're a guest, my name is Pastor Tyler. I'm, I'm the, uh, let me just turn around. Lord, help me. My name is Tyler. I am the lead pastor of Outfitter Church. I spent 17 hours processing an elk this week, so my brain is a little bit, like, not all there. Uh, but by God's grace, we're going to get it done tonight. Um, but no, so if you're here to exalt the Lord, church, I'm so glad. Um, if you're here maybe exploring who this Jesus is or what this church thing is all about, I'm so glad that you're here as well. And, and I hope that you get a great introduction to who Jesus is uh, as, as we look into the text today. I'm going to start by telling a story about a friend of mine in college named Josh Chambers. Josh Chambers was a college basketball player. Now, it was a small Christian college, but that does not diminish the insane ability that this man had. Uh, he would tower over you. I think he's 6'9". He might be 6'8", but I believe he's 6'9". He is absolutely massive. When I would give him a bro hug, uh, my head would be just above his belly button. It was the weirdest person to hug in my entire life. And so we stuck with the knuckle bumps. His hands were too big. I couldn't actually shake his hands because my hands are so small. So we stuck with knuckle bumps. Anyways, Josh Chambers was one of the godliest dudes on campus. And, and as a senior... Um, everyone really looked up to him, and I'm one of them. I, I hope to send him this clip of our sermon uh, and just encourage him. He, he does ministry in a really rough part of town in Tacoma, Washington. Um, one of the godliest dudes I know. But, but he would always say, he's like, man, I ain't judging you. I'm just, I'm just a fruit inspector. Jesus said if you follow him, then you'll have fruit. Look, I'm just inspecting the fruit, homie. That's all. He would always say that. I'm just inspecting your fruit. He would call me out on my sin a lot. Uh, and I was grateful for him and for his friendship in my life. Uh, but that's what he always says. like, I'm just a fruit inspector. I'm just inspecting the fruit, man. I'm just calling it like it is. And, and it would always just make me laugh. And, and as I was preparing this message, and, and as we talk about bearing fruit, the text that we look at tonight, uh, Jesus, we, we've been walking through the book of Mark. And last week's message, Jesus was very clear that those who follow him, those who are true Christians, those who are true disciples, they do the will of the Father. And so we talked about doing the will of the Father last week. Jesus made that very clear to us in his teaching. And so this week, Jesus picks up and he begins saying, if you do the will of my Father, you will bear fruit. Meaning there will be physical, tangible evidence of your faith displayed in your life. And that evidence, those fruits, will be expanding the kingdom that he came to establish. Okay, so that, that's what made me think of my buddy Josh, the, the fruit inspector. And so join me as we begin in Mark chapter 4. We'll be in verses 1 through uh, 34. So we're going to, like we've been doing the last couple weeks, we'll be reading a couple sections at a time since it's such a massive ch uh, chunk of scripture. But Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. And if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles for you. That is our gift to you so that you can know that what I'm preaching is coming from the word of the Lord and not the word of man. Okay? Join me as we read. We're going to be in verses 1 through 9 as we begin. 
Again he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down, while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. The first thing that we see here, church... I'm going to make a point, try and make a point. I, I'm just kind of walking you through my process of how I'm trying to read the scriptures, interpret it, and then teach it. Almost got distracted. Almost got distracted with the three or the four different responses uh, to the gospel. But that's not the main point. The main point here is we'll see it later because Jesus then actually gives uh, commentary on what he's teaching here. The main point here is that followers of Jesus indiscriminately share the good news. It, the focus of what Jesus is, the thrust of this text that Mark is trying to get us to pay attention to, is it's not the responses of the people, it's that they were even able to have the response. See, let's not put the cart before the horse, okay? The, the thrust, the, the main point that Mark's wanting us to get out of these verse, first few verses is that followers of Jesus indiscriminately share the good news. And when I say share, I mean verbally, okay? So followers of Jesus indiscriminately share the good news. What do I mean? If you're a farmer, seed is expensive. You don't drop it on the path on purpose, right? So, so he's showing that indiscriminately on the path, as he's walking to do the work, he's sowing seed. When he gets to the rock or to the... Um, to the shallow, to the rocky, he's sowing the seed. When he gets to where there's thorns everywhere, he's still sowing seed. And then when he gets to the fertile ground. So he is indiscriminately sharing the gospel. Now, what do I mean by the word in 2020 and 2021? We've heard a lot about discriminating. Okay, so let me, let me clarify. What do I mean by indiscriminately and what do I mean by good news? Okay, so indiscriminately. The seasons of my life, church, when I share the gospel, least is when I'm discriminating. Now, I'm not meaning it in the political sense of the word. What I mean is, is when I'm looking at somebody in a public place and I'm thinking, mm, I don't think he's ready to hear the gospel right now. He doesn't seem like someone that would be open to Jesus right now. So I'm going to, this is so, so silly and pathetic how we justify our sin to not share the gospel. I'm going to strategically not share the gospel with him so that I'm waiting for the person that is ready to hear the gospel. Church, Jesus makes it very clear here. You don't know if someone's receptive to the gospel until they hear it. Did you catch that? The sower indiscriminately sowed the seed. 
He didn't wait till he got to only fertile ground. He just threw that sucker everywhere. You get one, you get one, you get one, you get one. He just, this sower is just sowing seed everywhere. And so the follower of Jesus must indiscriminately share the good news with their words. I had, a, I had a professor in, in uh, his name's Matt Queen, Dr. Queen. Matt Queen was an evangelism professor. His, his position was called the, the Dean of the Chair of Fire, right? Because he was in the evangelism school. They actually, on his email, it says Chair of Fire. Crazy. This dude loves lost people. But more than that, he loves Jesus saving lost people. He, he said, a lot of people like to term opportunity. I didn't get the opportunity to share the gospel. Because we've defined opportunity as someone running up to us, begging us at a perfect time where nothing could distract us from our jobs. And, or, or any, you know, it's like, it's deep. We're not busy with anything. And they come to us and they say, please, please. Mr. Christian, Mrs. Christian, would you tell me about this Jesus because I want to repent of my sins and follow him. He's like, if you are waiting for that opportunity, you might get to share the gospel one time in your life. And the way he defines opportunity is any time you get a chance to talk to someone and you're not certain of where they will spend their eternity when they die. That is an opportunity to share the gospel. Now, i got to be the first to admit, I don't live up to that, that de definition. And I'm challenged as I wrestle with this text. Because I actually have to repent of my sin before the Lord that I've been discriminating with who I share the gospel with. Not based on, again, I'm not making that political. Not based on political party or gender or ethnicity. No, that's not what I mean by that. But when I'm going through town, I'm like, ah, this person standing behind me at Ridley's line. They don't want to hear about Jesus right now. They, they just look busy. So they don't, clearly they don't want to know about Jesus. And they go, oh, well, this, this, grocery, this, this uh, cashier at the grass station, he, he doesn't want to hear about Jesus. He's busy. You know, he's, he's busy today. Or, hey, this neighbor of mine that keeps coming over and hanging out and wants to see what I'm doing on my front porch with this massive elk, he, he, he doesn't want to know about Jesus. It's, I just, and what I've recognized that in my sin, I've justified not sharing the gospel. Because I want to wait for the perfect time, that perfect opportunity to tell that person who's just, boom, they're going to get saved right then. May the Lord forgive me and may the Lord forgive all of us. Because as we see here, the sower, which we're going to talk about later when Jesus goes through this parable again. Jesus is the sower in this passage. And he is indiscriminately sharing the good news with everyone. And so our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to indiscriminately share the good news. So there's indiscriminately. No matter where you go, let's, church, let's maybe let's just try and adopt that definition. If I'm talking to somebody and I'm not certain of where they will go when they die, I'm going to try and share the gospel with them. Oh, I'll flip this stinking pulpit getting excited about what would happen if that's how often we were all sharing the gospel, myself included. Man, I'm on point number three. I'm, I might flip the pulpit. I don't know. But we'll get there later. Anyways, so that's indiscriminately. Now, what is the good news? If we're supposed to be sharing it verbally, what are we supposed to say? Well, Jesus has explained it very clearly as we've walked through Mark. Christ has come. The good news is that Jesus has come to forgive us of our sins. He's come to establish a kingdom of good news. 
There's half of it, okay? What's the good news? The good news is that Jesus, God himself, has come to save you. Now, what must we do? We must acknowledge him as Lord and obey him alone. So what's the good news? What's the message that we're supposed to be sharing? We're supposed to be sharing with everyone. Hey, brother, did you know? I know that we just pour concrete together. But hey, did you know, man? I just want to tell you that God loves you so much. Literally, Jesus came with the power to change everyone's lives. All we have to do is believe in him and obey him. And that's why we don't share the gospel because it's awkward. We're like, man, that guy's going to get mad. He's going to dump concrete on me, right? So, but it's challenging. But oh, oh, is this how we bear fruit? Let's wait till we get to the last half of the message tonight. But we are to indiscriminately share the good news. What's the good news? That Jesus came and we are, we are forced to make a response. The power of God has come to change the world. Do we believe it? You don't have to save anybody. That sower sowed the seed and went on to the next. Sowed the seed, went on to the next. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't disciple people, but the point of this passage is discussing evangelism, okay? So, so we indiscriminately, so it means anyone, everyone, everyone always, we're trying to share the gospel with anyone who we're not confident where they're going to spend their eternity when they die. We're going to try and share the good news that Jesus Christ has come with the power to change their life, and they need to acknowledge that and obey Him. And the essential part of that is that the, the back half, the denial of that means that we will live this entire life never knowing our true purpose, never knowing what God intended for us, and then we will spend an eternity separated from God and all things good in eternal torment called hell. People will say fire and brimstone. I don't care if it's cozy and 65 in there. Without God and all things good, that's hell. The absence of joy, light, hope, love, happiness, all good and God himself you will be you ever make that horrible decision you have to go and answer for it that's hell the constant every millisecond of eternity regretting that you denied the almighty God that's where every person you and me included that's where we were headed but for God he came with the power to change us and by his grace, we believed. And we've acknowledged him as Lord and we follow him in obedience. And none of us would ever go back. We have to share that message. Look on in verses, uh, in verses 10 through 12. <clears throat> now, I mentioned last week that not every single verse in this narrative this he's narrating the life of Christ so not every verse has a point to be taught some of it is supplementary it's setting up each thing some of it's just explanatory and so this is one of those this is simply explanatory of what's going on why is Jesus teaching parables so read with me in verse 10 when he was alone those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables he answered them the secret of the kingdom of God has been made who has been given to you but to those out Side, everything comes in parables so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. I want you, I want you to read this because it's going to sound crazy. 
they may indeed look and yet not perceive, that they may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. So is God intentionally trying to trick people so that they'll go to hell? If I'm honest with you, I've read that passage for years, and I've always kind of skimmed over it because I'm like, Lord, I don't... I trust you, and I'm not ever going to quit following you. Jesus, I don't understand what that passage means. Amen. Moving on. And so, like, I, I've done that for years. And as I prepared this sermon this week, oh, what a beautiful grace that, that God helped me to understand this text. Chapter 4 starts again with who? The massive crowd at the beach. Last time they were there, he had to get in the boat because they were pressing against him so hard. He thought he was going to get crushed because they don't care about him. They care about getting healing, getting stuff so that they can do what they want. They're just gimme, gimme, gimme people. Okay? They want what they can get from God, not follow him. Now, if you're surrounded by people that are yes men, they would do anything possible to get the power that you have inside of you. Do you give them a to-do list to heaven? No. No, you don't. Because if he just said, if you just do these things, you'll have heaven. They would run out and at 100 miles an hour do every single thing to the syllable of the law that he just said, trying to earn their way into heaven. So he did. He loved them enough to not let them try and work their way into the kingdom. And so he spoke to these huge crowds with, with stories that were impregnated with truth. Does that make sense? He would tell a story that to someone who's not there for the right reasons, right over their heads. But to someone who's there who's really seeking the Son of God who's truly trying to know what is true. That's what the parable's for. Do you see now how gracious he actually was? So when you read the text, you're like, God is intentionally trying to make people not understand, and then they'll go to hell. This is really confusing to me. And so I know that that's not in the nature of God, so I know it's not true, but I don't know how to interpret this passage. That's at least my process through here. And so now as, as I think about the context, what was happening? Hundreds, if not thousands of people were around. Most of them were there for ill intentions, just trying to get something. And he wasn't going to let them try and do a to-do list into heaven. And so he would tell a story. Sower went out. People listening be like, I don't know what he's talking about. Sowing ain't no dang farmers around here. But to the one thinking, like, oh, man, maybe he's talking about this good news message. And then he says, he who has ears, let him hear. He's saying whoever has the Holy Spirit working in their minds and in their hearts to help them to hear what God's truly saying, let them hear and respond to the good news of the kingdom that has come. And so I just thought that was absolutely amazing. So I said it wasn't worth teaching, or it's not setting up a huge point, but he's explaining why he's doing the parables. Because there's massive crowds that have ill intentions, and he's trying to speak stories that if you're really there for the right reasons, you will hear the gospel in it, and you'll be able to repent to follow him. Okay, so that's what's going on in verses 10 through 12. Now let's read verses 13 through 20. 
So this is, he shared the parable, he's explained why he's sharing the parables, and now the disciples didn't understand, just like me for 12 years, didn't understand that passage, had to have someone teach it to me. This one actually, as I was preparing it, clicked. Oh, that's what it means. So, verse 13, so here they are, the disciples asked questions, said, then they said to him, or then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. There's the gospel, okay? The sower sows the, the good news. Some are like the words sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. I'm going to give illustrations as we go. I was at a funeral, and I was preaching the gospel at a funeral. It was a horrible, uh, there was, it, it was so sad. It's the worst funeral you could do. It was a child that had died, an infant that had died. And I tried to share the gospel at this funeral, and one of the family members was so angry with me that I even said anything good about God in that message. And it was so sad to me that as soon as he heard the good news of the kingdom that could have taken the pain out of his heart, taken the hate out of his heart, taken the frustration out of his heart, Satan immediately snatched that away and he was just angry. It breaks my heart for that friend. So, so some people are like that. As soon as they hear the gospel, they're immediately against it. And others, verse 12, or verse 16, others are like seeds sown on the rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root, they are short-lived. You ever met anybody like that? When distress or persecution comes because of the word, the good news, they immediately fall away. Others are like, see, there's twice now I've shared the gospel with someone. They've said that they believe it. One of them was already a believer, so he just repented and was going to walk right. The other one believed it for the first time, and I said, next year I want to see you having grown out of where you're at this year. And by that next year, guess what? They were nowhere to be found. They, 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 they heard the gospel. It was on rocky soil. It sprung up because they loved the message of forgiveness of sin, of, of new uh, life, of, of power to overcome temptations. But then as soon as anything got hard they withered away verse 18 others are like seeds sown among the thorns these are the ones who hear the word but the worries of this age the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful and those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word Welcome it and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. So what I believe Mark is making a point of right here. Not everyone who hears the good news will follow Jesus, but some will. Not everyone who hears the good news will follow Jesus, but some will. When we were fundraising uh, for this church plant, uh, we, we spent seven months on the road just constantly telling people about Bar None, Wyoming, and, and, and would you please help us give some money so that we can go start a church there. And, and we were just doing this, all this and, and we learned that every no we got, we were closer to a yes. You ever heard that? So every person 
person that said no, we don't want to support, we were one no closer to a yes. So that meant we had better chances of getting a yes that next meeting. And then they said no, and then boom, we got the yes. Dadgummit, that's awesome. Let's get some more no's so we can get a yes. And so as we share the gospel, we ought to think about that. For every person that denies it and doesn't follow Jesus, you're one no closer to someone giving their life to Christ. So instead of getting discouraged every time someone says no, just think. Woo! That was... Don't think that. That's demonic. <laughs> I don't know why that, I don't know what that did. Anyways, I've been working out, so maybe it was a stronger punch than normal. Um, so, let's re, we got to recalibrate there. That one got me. Okay, so when we think about that. When we share the gospel indiscriminately and people say no to it, guess what? We're just one no closer to somebody turning from their sins and following Jesus. No, we don't, I don't mean that we want to look at people as numbers or projects. That's, I hope you know that's not my heart. But it gets discouraging when someone says, no, I don't believe in that at all. It's a stupid fairy tale. Okay, I'm going to go read my Bible, you know. So it gets discouraging. But just remember, we're one no closer to a yes. Not everyone who hears the good news will follow Jesus, but some will. But some will. And let's labor, let's work for the but some wills. Paul the Apostle, one of the greatest evangelists to ever walk the face of the earth, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I believe, he says, I become all things for all people. To the Jews, I do Jewish things, or I, I, I'm trying to give commentary as I say it. He says, to the Jews, I become like the Jews, so that I may win some of them. To the Gentiles, I become like a Gentile, that I may win them. What does he mean by that? Jews would have understood the gospel in a specific way. So he probably would have used the Old Testament and proved through their beliefs and through their teachings that Jesus is the way. So he would do everything he could to win a Jew. But then when he went over to the pagans, he would say, you love all these other gods. Let me explain to you the God above all gods that did it all. You don't need a sun god, a rain god, a moon god, or this god, or this god. There's one God. His name is Jesus, and he died on the cross for you. So he would become, so, so what he was saying is that every person he met as he was indiscriminately meeting people and sharing the gospel, he'd figure out what made them tick and then try and calibrate the gospel message to them. He said, I did everything that I could so that by all means I might win some. It's the only time he doesn't say all in that whole passage. I do all things to all people that by all means I might win some. Let's labor well for the just, but some wills. People are going to reject the gospel. That is between them and God. God says if anyone rejects, he's even saying this to the church, if anyone re rejects this message, they're not rejecting you, but God himself. And so let that break our hearts is that when we share the gospel and someone says, no, they didn't turn you down. Don't take it personal. We're not important. They turned down the almighty God of the universe. And may we be broken for those people. So not everyone who hears the word or hears the good news will follow Jesus, but some will. And it's sad as we go through. I've already told you about the guy at the funeral. 
I've already told you about my friends that they say that they walked with the Lord, but then a year later, I gave them a challenge. I would literally, I've done that twice now. Hey, I challenge you a year from now, be just as on fire for Jesus as you are today. And, and, and every time they say, oh, absolutely. But then a year from then, they're not there. This one's the heartbreaking one. Or all of them are heartbreaking, but to the one that hears the gospel, they begin to grow. But then the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and anxieties says it chokes them. You ever have outward circumstances put a chokehold on your faith? chokes it out. Now there's, there's something in all those categories that's important for us to see. There's no fruit. For the one that it falls on the rocky path, or on the path, uh, and, and Satan snatches it away, there's no fruit. To the one that falls on the rocky soil, uh, it comes up, but when the sun comes, when hard times come, when you really got to start digging into the scriptures, when you really got to repent of sin, when you got to start canceling fun plans to be a part of church plans, people go away. No fruit. And then this person's growing, but then the cares of the world come in and choke out the life of the word, the gospel inside of them. And yet again, three strikes, no fruit. Now for the but some wills. It says those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Now I've always seen this as three ways in one way. It is, kind of, but there's three no fruits and then there's three fruits. So there's the Satan snatch, rocky, and it withers away, and then there's the cares of the world choke it out. Three that are not fruitful, that do not, uh, that are not true followers of Christ. Then on the other hand, there's three. There's the 30 produces 30-fold. Then there's the produces 60-fold. Then there's the produces 100-fold. What I mean by that is there's an old preacher named, uh, named Charles Spurgeon in the 1600s. That man produced more fruit in one afternoon than I will in my entire life. Okay, He wrote like five. 500 handwritten letters every single day or every single week. He preached six sermons a week. Uh, regularly 6,000 people came to attend the 16-year-old sermons. His, this dude was incredible. Some people produce more fruit in their faith than other Christians. But are you producing fruit? That's the essence here. So we've already seen that not everyone who hears the word or hears the good news will follow Jesus, but some will. And then we see the subsequent point of that is that followers of Jesus bear fruit. So church, it's, it's time that we do inventory. We do inventory. Where are we in this parable? Where are we? Have we rejected the gospel? Maybe not. I'm not just speaking to our church. Anyone who's in here tonight, where, where are you? Have you rejected the gospel? Have hard times come and you withered away? Or are the cares of the world choking it out? Or are you producing fruit? That's the question. So if you're in here, we ask the question. We do an inventory check and we say... What action, or what evidence is there that I truly do follow Jesus in my life? What actions am I doing now that I wasn't doing then? What 
What actions are you doing now that you call yourself a Christian that you weren't doing before you did? And what actions have you stopped since you became a Christian? And is there clear evidence in your life that proves that you follow Jesus and obey Him? Because followers of Christ bear fruit. It's as plain and as simple as that. You can call yourself a Christian, but unless the fruit inspector can see that there's fruit in your life, then your life, uh, your life disagrees with what your words are saying. And so we ask ourselves, is there fruit in our lives? If you're here tonight and you recognize there's no fruit in your life, then I want you to keep contemplating what's keeping you. What's keeping you from truly repenting of your sins and giving your life to Christ so that you may follow Him and bear fruit. Why aren't you bearing fruit? Maybe you need to talk about that. I want to talk to you about that after service or fill out a Connect card and we'll get coffee sometime next week and we'll talk. What, why is it? If you're a lady, we'll hook you up with a lady in our church and you can go talk to them about why aren't I bearing fruit in my life? I don't know. But I know it's not because of Jesus. And so we see that and then we move on and to verse 21. Verse 21 through 25. He said, He also said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to the light. If anyone has ears to, ears to hear, let him hear. So he says it again. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. Verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and the more will be added to you. For whatever, or for whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So it means if you have faith, as the kingdom grows, you'll get more faith. Especially in eternity. If you have no faith, no fruit, then whatever fruit you thought you had will be taken away, and you will have no fruit for eternity and hell. So that's that last part. But he's this when he talks about can a lamb be brought in to be put under a basket, he's cementing in his point. He just got done explaining that if you are a follower of me, you will sow the gospel. You will share it verbally with everyone always. He, he explains he's, he's the sower. He set the example in, in the passage last week. He commissions them. He says, okay, now I'm going to send you out. And he gives them lesson 101 of being sent out. Share the gospel. And so now here he is. He's just cementing that point even more. Can a light be brought into a room and put under a basket? No. It's supposed to be shining. And so for those who are true followers of Jesus, those who do the will of the Father, we will bear fruit. And the first fruit that we need to be bearing is that we are going to indiscriminately share the good news with everyone and anyone that we meet as often as possible. I hate this message because I didn't want to hear it. We're going to get to the acts of mercy and the acts of compassion and the turning the other cheek. But dadgummit, we're not talking about that today. This is the only thing he's meaning is the first, he says, those who love me, they, they do the will of my father. If you do the will of my father, you will bear fruit. Let me explain to you the most fruit bearing thing you can do. Share the gospel. 
dang it. <laughs> so Jesus' disciples are sitting there. They've been watching him do it. He takes them up on the mountain. He says, your turn, boys. And then he sits down. And he says, oh, yeah, by the way, first things first, you've got to start telling, about every, telling everyone everywhere about this always. <sighs> but what are the results of if we would be obedient? What are the results? Here's the results. The last two parables. The kingdom of God is like this. Verse 26. He said, A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, With, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? Here you go. It's like a mustard seed that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. Verse 33, we'll finish it out. He says, He was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, and they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. So he says, You guys have got to indiscriminately share the gospel. This is the first step of a fruit-bearing Christian. And here's what happens when you do as I'm commanding you. So let's do all application real quick. Outfitter Church, we meet here. This is not the church, okay? We are the church. We meet here. And then when we go out, we are a missionary agency going out into the darkness, okay? Now let's just imagine that we all share the gospel everywhere, always, as often as possible. What would happen is from week in and week out as we meet here, then we go home and we go to sleep, then we wake up. What we're going to do is eventually we're going to wake up and go, holy smokes. When did a massive harvest of people who've repented of their sins and come to Jesus, when did that happen? It says first the head, right? Then it sprouts, and then this, and then this, and then this. It's amazing. What he's saying is that if we would really do what he's saying to do by sharing the gospel with our words indiscriminately to everyone always, then we're going to wake up and look around one day and go, holy smokes. How did that marriage get reconciled? When did the town drunk become our pastor? When did the former drug user start counting the offering? When did that happen? It happened because God was doing a work. We were indiscriminately sharing the gospel, and we just looked up one day and went, holy smokes, how did we get here? Because God does the work when we follow his commands. He says, if you think that that's going to be tough, oh, he's so good. I love the word of God. That's why we preach through it like this. If you think that's going to be hard, he says, well, why can't we compare this kingdom of God? It's like a mustard seed. The smallest seed looks like a little peppercorn thing. If you ever had a peppercorn grinder, it looks like one of those tiny little peppercorns in there. He says, the smallest little seed, but you plant it in good ground. We might have some doubts that this works, but if we just have whatever amount of faith that we have, we're not putting it in ourselves. We take the littlest amount of faith that we can possibly muster up, and we put it in God. And we believe God 
that if we will just share the gospel, if we'll lose friendships because they don't want to hear about Jesus, if we make people mad in our community because we won't say anything other than that Jesus is the only way, if we lose friends, if we lose jobs, if we, whatever we lose, we count it as a loss for gaining Christ, that we're not going to stop sharing the gospel and we have that mustard seed faith that if we would just do that, we would look up one day at Outfitter Church and go, how in the world did that tiny church that started in the middle of nowhere see an entire city of bar none come to Christ? How did we see the entire Casper area come to Christ? I really believe, church, that God has plans to do things in this area that would absolutely blow our minds. But I also truly believe that we have to obediently do His will if we want to experience the amazing will of God. We have to obey the will of God. So this sermon would be completely useless if I didn't try and give some practical tips on how to share the good news. I've already explained what it was. Jesus came with the power to change lives. We have to believe in him and follow him. That's the good news. It's really, it's easiest shared through your story. Hey man, I, I know I've worked with you for a long time, but I've, I've got something I want to share with you. Do you have a few minutes? I just want to tell you about how Jesus changed my life. You can ignore me after that. I just, I just want to tell you. You can share the gospel. Guess what? You don't know if they're going to be receptive to it until you tell them your story. This is who I was. I learned the truth about Jesus. I repented of my sins. I followed him. This is who I am now. Are you at all interested in that? Nope. Okay. Hey, thanks for letting me share my story with you, man. If you ever have any questions, I'm here. So sharing our story. Here's another good way. Try and, try and build bridges to what people are saying. If someone's really complaining about the brokenness of our nation and the horrible things that we're seeing going on, the atrocities that are being pushed through in legislation, because that's happening, right? When you, and, and it's easy to talk about that when you see that being taking place. And you know that they don't know Jesus. Say, so you know what? Our nation might be crumbling, but can I tell you about a kingdom that won't? Can I tell you about a God that's not corrupt? I was sharing, I was talking with a brother multiple times this week about the brokenness in our nation. And how do we respond to it? It's a great conversation. The greatest part of it all is that we know that this nation is going to be gone one day, will be gone one day, and we have an eternal home waiting for us. There's a lot of people that don't have that. That's a bridge. So when you hear people talking about the current events and they're discouraged, they're frustrated, bridge, what would God have to say about that? When you hear someone talking about a broken marriage or an unfaithful spouse, what would God have to say about that? He's the all-faithful one. Say, I, I don't know if your marriage will ever get healed. I don't know if you can ever forgive. I don't know if you'll ever be forgiven. But can I tell you about someone who's always faithful, no matter what you've done, and he will be with you forever and will forgive you of your sins. That's the bridge to the gospel. So, so as you're listening to the people around you, figure out what it is they're saying and say, what would God have to say about that? And then interject it in. You can do this. That same professor that I was telling you about earlier, he said, if you know enough about Jesus to be saved, you know enough about Jesus to tell someone how to be saved. You don't have to be good at this. The sower was literally losing seed on the path that he's not supposed to be sowing on, and, and God's using that. 
You don't have to be good. You just have to be faithful. God is good. So church, we have a, we have a, we have a hard message tonight. Job description 101. Use your words to share the good news about Jesus Christ with everyone as often as possible. Let me pray and ask God for... We're, we're, not, we're not done. Usually we pray for like evangelism. We do the invitation. Then we pray for the church. But I felt heavy tonight that we, we, need, we need God's help with this one. We need God's help with this one. So let's pray. God, I, 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 in front of my entire church, and not for show, Lord, but I just admit that I failed in sharing the gospel. You keep bringing the, the evangelism into the sermon texts and the calendar that we're preaching through. And God, I think that you, you really want to do a work in Bar None and in the Casper area. That if we were to just look at it six months from now, we'd go, holy smokes, how did we get here? God, we're not going to get there unless we faithfully share the gospel. I know that you will raise up, Lord, if we don't proclaim your name, the rocks will cry out that you are Lord. But Lord, we don't want the rocks doing our job in this place. Lord, we want to cry out how good you are. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help Outfitter Church to be faithful evangelists. That, Lord, we would forget what people think about us. That we would stop being afraid of our, of our reputation. But, Lord, that we would do everything so that people may hear about you. God, I pray that you would bless our evangelism this year, Lord. Help every member in our church to lead someone to Christ. Not because of numbers and we want to be able to put it up on a chalkboard and say woohoo, but Lord Jesus, because we know that 90% of the people around us are going to die and spend an eternity in hell and they're missing out on you. And so, Lord, I pray, that's my prayer, Lord, for this year. Help every member in our church lead someone to Christ. Help us, Lord. Amen. And now, if you're here tonight, and, and maybe as you've heard the message, you've recognized, I have no fruit in my life. I want to begin following Jesus and bearing fruit. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to talk to God and tell Him that that's the commitment you're wanting to make. If you have ears to hear, let me, let me explain to you how, how to know if God's speaking to you tonight. If you know that you're a sinner, you've fallen short, and you desperately need Him to forgive you and enable you. Because guess what? Satan doesn't tell you that. <laughs> If you are sitting here tonight and you've heard this message and you go, yeah, I'm in trouble. I need to bear fruit for God. I need to follow God. God is speaking to you and he's calling you to come and follow him and advance the kingdom of God. So if that's you, I want you to talk to God tonight through prayer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer and I want you to repeat it to yourself under your breath. And commit to following Jesus. Pray with me. Everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. God, tonight I hear you. I see that I have no fruit in my life. I want to bear fruit for you, God. Forgive my sins. Give me a new life. I commit today 
to follow you forever. I love you, Father. I will do your will. Now, if you prayed that prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to come talk to somebody after the service today. It doesn't have to be me, but come tell somebody that you made that decision. At our back table, we have little connection cards and pins. I'd love for you to fill that out and drop it in our offering box or just hand it to somebody. Check the top box that says, I decided to follow Jesus today. Because we want to help you learn what it means to follow Jesus. So if that's you, I'll be at the back to my left, your right, at the end of service. And I want to talk to you about that decision. So I'm going to ask Ashley to come up as we prepare to sing in response to God and what we've heard. Let me pray as she prepares to lead us. Father, thank you for your message tonight. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would help us to hear what you said and to do it. I pray for those, Lord, that may have trusted you as their Savior tonight. God, give them the strength and the courage. Protect them, Lord, from the enemy. Protect them, Lord, from the rocky soil. Protect them, Lord, from the cares of the world. Let them bear fruit 30, 60, 100-fold for you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We ask that you would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.